Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Film Yak. Uh, I'm John. Uh, I'm Kevin. <laughs> John. Kevin. <laughs> That's great. Uh, today we're going to be discussing John Athens' pick, which was Werner Herzog's Heart of Glass from 1976. Herzog's Glass from 1976. Uh, thank Masterpiece you. cinema. Which Jonathan again blew his load this week by posting his rating early. Well, no, I mean, it's like I've given it a five three times. Yeah, but you just so said last like, week's on last week's show, you were like, it might suck. I don't know. I knew. It was and I was like, I was waiting for you to be like, just, it's just not that great. I just, <laughs> I just gave it a five because you gave uh, a five. Oh, okay. I just used your, oh. your reasoning. <laughs> what reasoning? Because you were like, oh, I, I, I was going to give it a five anyway. Like, you know I was going to give it a five. Well, I just watched it. Oh, okay. I literally right. just watched it in the last year. That's yeah, why I knew I, it was going to be a five. I picked Gattaca the other day, and that was like a three and a half at like most. <laughs> so right. You probably thought it was going to be a five going into it. Not really. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be a five. Like, I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe a four, four and a half, but like... I didn't expect it to be as like hackneyed as, and just ill thought out as, as it ended up being. Yeah, and dated. But we've talked about that film already. That's true. So today we're going to move on and talk about Heart of Glass. Uh, but I, I feel like Heart of Glass is a, a, a little talked about Herzog film too. It feels like nobody talks about it when they talk mm. about Herzog. Yeah. Which is strange because it. it feels like very. It has all of the Herzog. Exactly, elements. exactly. It's yeah. extremely typical of yeah. him. But we'll get to that. Um, how are you guys doing? Good. Let's not do the update. Let's, let's, let's go into <laughs> personal updates. No, I just want to know how you're doing. Yeah. Doing good. I haven't seen either one of you since the last time we recorded, I don't think. That's right. No, we had dinner, didn't yeah, we? Or we something? Hung out we had breakfast at Louis's. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, well, yeah, we'll just dispense with the pleasantries. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got some news to talk about. A lot of, a lot of stuff happening here. A lot of stuff. And I think we should start off with the most recent, incredibly huge development, which is a movie that I'm sure you guys aren't even aware of. Mm. And by the you guys, I mean my co-hosts here. Ridley Scott's All the Money in the World, coming out December 22nd. Are you familiar with this film? I haven't even heard of it. trailer's been out for about mm, three weeks, a month. Starring Kevin Spacey. Ooh. Kevin Spacey. He got CGI'd out. Has been scrubbed from the film. Wow. And his scenes have been re- are being reshot with Christopher Plummer. Wow! Holy shit! Kevin Spacey. If that makes no sense to you, because Kevin Spacey's like fit in his fifties, and uh, Christopher Plummer's eighty-seven, then you'd have to see the trailer in which Kevin Spacey is wearing so much old man makeup that he's unrecognizable. Ah. But because his name is involved, they had to get rid of him. So they're reshooting the scenes uh, with he Christopher was the main Plummer. Character? No, he's okay. he's. Uh, the film is about a, a, a child who gets kidnapped. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this just keeps getting better and better. It's a true story. It's about a child who got and kidnapped. <laughs> and uh, or No, no, no. Maybe not a child. Uh, uh, the husband of Michelle Williams' character gets kidnapped, I think. Uh-huh. And he's, they're somehow connected to uh, uh, J. Paul Getty familiar with this person he's like a wealthy oil guy from the, the name 70s. sounds familiar it's set in the 70s anyways huh. this guy's got like billions and billions of dollars and right. they're and the the ransom people know that there's that they are like sort of connected to him so they're asking that for like an absorbent amount of money mm. and uh michelle williams 
is not on friendly terms with him. So like she's trying to get the money from him, but he doesn't. He's not going to pay anything because he doesn't even know these people anymore or whatever. Right. So it's like this whole thing, and it looked actually pretty good. It looks pretty solid, especially coming from Ridley Scott, who I, I don't particularly care for. Mm. And uh, but while I was watching the trailer, I was like, the the weakest part of the trailer is the fact that they've cast Kevin Spacey as this like eighty year old man. Just cast an eighty year old man. So I'm thrilled that they've redone it with Christopher Plummer, who is probably a better actor than Spacey also and is and is uh much much you know more authentic because he is old yeah Yeah. how do you guys feel about this I don't get the I mean even before the allegations or whatever uh for are against him uh I don't really get the resurgence of Kevin Spacey at all like where he's like at a a left field he's just back into everything just feels like House of Cards really yeah yeah, is that it like yeah I think so he's very one note on House of Cards too he's like I I would say I think that a good argument that I've heard is that he's one note everywhere. Like that's he's got like a bag of tricks essentially, and he just kind of like does the same like things over and over again. It's like little mannerisms and yeah, everything. I don't know. I do. I mean, I like him. I like him in uh, like Seven, for instance. He's fantastic in Seven. I like him in American Beauty, but I do think he's suspects. Uh, I, sort of. I haven't actually seen that movie all the way through, but uh, oh, well. but I, I feel like he's a little overrated, absolutely, especially at this point. Uh, and I mean, I, I, obviously, his career is totally over, so like, yeah, it's just that quick. It's just total. I mean, when they're when they're literally spending millions of dollars to get rid of you out of a movie <laughs> so yeah. they can release it the same day, because originally they were like, we're just going to push it back into next year. But this morning or last night, maybe they, I, I woke up to it this morning, the news, and they were like he's being replaced by Christopher Plummer. So Mm. it's like, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And it's weird too, because one of the shots, what I'm worried about is that one of the shots from the trailer, Kevin Spacey is in like Egypt or something. And it's not, it's like clearly not green screen. Like he's in some like Saudi Arabian country or something. Mm. And, uh, or like Arabic country or whatever, you know, like middle Eastern. And, um, I'm like, are they going to fly Christopher Plummer out to get that shot? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Are they going to shoot? I'm worried they're going to shoot green screen. Like, put him in front of a green screen. It's going to be gross. <laughs> you know. But I don't know. It's Things be like are doing these nine days. all over again. Right. Um, also, uh, Kevin, I guess, would be more more interested in this than uh, than Jonathan, perhaps, and definitely than me. But uh-huh. uh, Amazon putting together a Lord of the Rings television series. <laughs> I did see something about Based that. On what? Well, like apparently, the like they like, don't like a retelling of it. Yeah, like the like a series version of the movies. Oh, okay. well, from what I saw, like they don't actually don't actually have the rights to the Lord of the Rings books, so they're really? making like so it's supposed to be about uh, Tom Bombadil, uh, which like the one character they didn't include. Yeah, the one characters that that isn't in there, and also like. A lot of people like go on and on about the eagles in Lord of the Rings, and you know, like, why didn't the eagles just fly them there? Like, Tom Bombadil apparently is some sort of like godlike figure who, like, apparently could have just ended the whole thing, like, yeah, like, (laughs) or like teleported them, or like, you know, defeated Sauron with his mind, or like something. (laughs) Some, something it would have ridiculous. been a much more exciting film if Tom uh, yeah, Bombadil yeah. came out of nowhere and defeated him with his mind. And that Apparently. <laughs> a nice, like, DBZ fight. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I did, see, uh, like, I mean, I, but, I think they're just grasping at straws. But you are a fan of the trilogy of films and the books, yes? Uh, Not as much as a lot of other people. No. Uh, like, as far as I'm concerned, the strongest... Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit movie is the Rankin Bass animated Hobbit. Oh. Um, 
And then after that, it would be Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Oh wow! Okay. I mean, I like. I had you all wrong. Well, I mean, I mean, I like fantasy, but like, I like the the live action Hobbit movies. I think you know, like started out kind of okay, and then just went to trash, like as you know, as quickly as they possibly could. The um, the original the original Lord of the Rings trilogy that Peter Jackson did like I'd give all three of those movies a three. Oh okay. Or maybe maybe a three and a half. I was way off. Um. So yeah, I mean, for yeah. some reason, I thought this was like getting you rock hard. Like you're like, <laughs> no, not really. Fuck yeah, man. No. Legoless. You know. No, not really. Okay. Well, yeah. Like as far as books that. go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the books, I'm not a huge fan of. Like Lord of the Rings, like. Yeah, if you want something that's like a realistic portrayal of like how people would travel in the Middle Ages, <laughs> yeah, that's that's totally cool because it takes them like forever to do anything in sure. the books. But other than that, like, I'm sorry, they're pretty boring. Ouch. So I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of right hate right to us from... at feedback at filmiacpodcast.com. <laughs> yes. All your hate mail for Kevin who hates Lord of the Rings and thinks Tolkien is a hack. Moving on, we've got one more story. Uh, Disney and talks to buy Fox Studios, their movie studios, and their television distribution or production or whatever. I don't know. So they would essentially have access to all of the uh, X Men, yeah. Fantastic Four, Deadpool, X-Men, Wolverine, right? Because they already own Marvel. They already so own Marvel. The most egregious thing to me is you guys aren't going to give a shit about this, but okay, I'm a huge Marvel vs. Capcom fan. Mm. Love the fighting series. Oh. The most recent one, this is a video game series. The most recent one, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, doesn't include any X Men. Marvel vs. Capcom without Wolverine? And that's because wow. it's a Marvel game? Yes. Because Marvel mm. owns all that shit now, and they're like, nope, Ouch. no X Men. So maybe we can get some X Men back in the. You mean because Fox owns all that stuff yeah. now? Or, yeah, uh, Buster, yeah. Right. Yeah, and are they going to, like. I don't know. Yeah, I, get, I, I wonder. I don't know how it works with, like, licensing to video games, too. I'm not sure. Because mm. I know that. There was like a lot of like like they're not buying certain aspects of 20th century or they're not buying certain aspects of Fox like they're not buying the news channel for instance uh, and or like FX but they are buying the the production companies hmm. so I don't know but it's uh, I, I I'm just I'm not thrilled about it just from yeah. the aspect of like how much shit can Disney own and make mediocre like everything they get their hands into it just turns to shit. Because they're just I mean, they're playing to they're like Walmart of the cinema. Fox X Men movies aren't like most recent ones aren't really that great, but they're I better can, than Marvel yeah, films. I can see them being a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait till they get those really shoehorn Thor in there. Oh. Yeah, well, weren't they already kind of trying to do that in like one of their? Well, TV they talked. Series? They did Sony. They 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 made a deal with Sony right, to get right. Spider Man into the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. into those films. Yeah. So it's now it's just like this is the la- That's exactly what this is about too. It's about getting all of the Marvel characters mm-hmm. and being able to fuck all of them up. Just blend it all up into a gray. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's disgusting. <laughs> but uh, that's all the news I got. So um, I guess we can just move on to what we watched. Yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, Kevin, you want to go first this week? Sure. Uh, let's see. Watched uh, the Last Emperor by Bernardo Bertolucci. Mm-hmm. Pretty good movie. Really like, really like the really like the music in there. Ry- Ryuichi Sakamoto, which like 
he won the Oscar, did he not? He and David Byrne both, mm. uh, like, I guess they co-won, or, like, they both got Oscars. David Byrne won for what? For Last that? Number. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know they co-did it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I and I think there was, somebody, there was somebody else involved, too. Like, on the Criterion um, release, there's an, like, 25-minute inter- interview with David Byrne. Oh, cool. And like, apparently, uh, Bertolucci saw "Stop Making Sense" in Naples, and he came up to him and was like, "Hey, man, look at all those people dancing at the end of your movie. I wish I could have some people. I wish I could get a reaction like that." <laughs> and uh, so he was like, "Hey, uh, you want to do some music for this movie?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." Sweet. But I, <laughs> like, as bad as, as bad of an actor as Sakamoto is in "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence," brutal. He's in this? Yeah. Oh my god. He is so bad and like there's a point <laughs> there's a point where he's like uh like railing against um um the guy and like talking about how Japan is going to take over all of Asia. And it's terrible. It is so terrible. I don't know why they cast him. Like it makes no know. sense to me. I don't know. Like after you see his performance <laughs> in Mr. Lawrence, why would you ever cast it's this that man? Bad. It's he's awful. It's oh. it's it's, it's pretty, embarrassing. It's pretty bad. And I mean, like, you know... And it's, like, fine, because it's, like, he's not an actor. But it's, like, so stop yeah. casting him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let him do the music. He does great music. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the movie looks looks fantastic. Uh, I think it's a little long. And, like, some of, the, some of the plot points, like, don't really go anywhere. Like, there's a, there's a point where, like, um, like, they reveal that uh, the one of the Emperor's wives is having a kid but it's not his and then like th- like there's a scene where like um she's like looking at the kid the kid's crying and she's like kind of like laughing and like you know playing with the kid and then like the next minute somebody goes to the emperor and says the baby was born dead and then like she just goes off and like you never hear about them again for the rest of the movie hmm. and i'm like that's kind of bizarre yeah I mean, it'd be one thing if, like, they're hiding the kid because, you know, like, the Russians are moving in, the the communists are moving in, and, like, he's trying to, like, rebuild Manchuria as, like, his little section of empire, but, like, that all falls apart. Um, But, yeah, like, uh, some things just don't, like, add up, or, like, they just gloss over them or never mention them again, so... But uh, other than that, it's an enjoyable movie. And now, this movie won Best Picture, is that right? I think. Okay. In 1990 or 81 or something? Or 89, uh, I mean. Late late 80s, right? 87. 87. Yeah. What'd you give it out of five? Uh, 3.75. Mm, almost got the four. Almost. Jonathan? Uh, let's see. I only watched three this week, so... But they're they're long. Burn so. through them right now. Just all yeah. three of them. <laughs> uh, rewatched the Thin Red Line. Uh, Terrence Malick, nineteen ninety eight. Now, before mm. you get started on on this one, okay. I have to ask: what? <laughs> Is this rewatch influenced at all by the fact that you need to get Call of Duty World War Two? <laughs> <laughs> no, I rewatch this movie every year for the past like four years. So uh, at this time, no, just. So there's that. no there's no I mean, correlation. Maybe some subconscious, okay. Maybe. I don't Did know. you get the game? I didn't get it. Yet. You fucking suck. I, I gotta wait till I get paid. I get paid. I've already beaten tonight. it. I get paid tonight. Oh, and by the way, when you go on, not sorry, not not a game <laughs> web uh, podcast at all. But 
when you go on or is it when, oh, yeah. killer. <laughs> when you go on only play hardcore okay on multiplayer because regular is the worst you'll want to sell the game after you play a regular match wow play hardcore right, you'll right. feel like a god <laughs> one shotting people with the m1 grand you never felt anything better in your life <laughs> okay anyway the Thin Red Line by Terrence Malick. 1998. Um, starring Adrian Brody. Starring a shitload of people. <laughs> yeah. uh, starring everyone from that time. Um, this is just my favorite Malick film. It really is. Uh, mm. it, I remember, I always talk about this, but I remember the first time I saw it, falling asleep, and thinking it was the most mediocre, like, mm. you know, I just wanted to watch Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw it in the theater... Before it came out a little bit before Saving Private Ryan, I saw it in the theater with my mom and was like, there's that battle scene in the middle, you know, up the hill and everything. Yeah. And I was like, that shit rules. But then everything else, I was like, this is this is horrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, give me some more. Give me some more Woody Harrelson blowing his butt off. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every just I, I just love this movie. Uh, I think it's it's the perfect like nihilistic movie that isn't trying to be like dark. It just is because it's World War Two, and mm. you know it's not. There's no glory in this. It's like why are you know he asks it like a thousand. Why are we doing this? It's know? being towards death. It, it really is. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of Heidegger and shit in there, but uh, <laughs> dude, it's even if you don't even like look at it like philosophically, it's just it's just a well extremely well made movie, mm-hmm. and it's very Hollywood, but it's like I don't know. It's just I think it's, it's Hollywood great. to a point, but I think he's. I mean, he's his stamp is definitely all over it. It's like if, mm. if you know, obviously, if a more commercial director had made it, it wouldn't be what it is. Yeah. You know, mm. so yeah, it's Hollywood in that like it looks really good and that has high production values. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's where it kind of stops. Um, this also this might be the only <clears throat> Sean Penn movie I like. I don't really? I don't like Sean Penn very much. What else is he in that's even good? Oh, Milk. Milk, he's great in Milk. I haven't seen Milk. Oh, you got to watch Milk. Milk's good. Okay. James, Milk's good. James Franco. Yeah. He's and in it? Josh Brolin is awesome really? in yeah. Milk. Yeah. Wow. you got to watch Milk, man. Gus Van Sant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah you got to watch Milk. You'll like him in that, I anyway, promise. Yeah. He's yeah. Real, it's, his performance is pretty subtle, which is good. I, don't, I, 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 I can see that. Like Some things that Sean Penn is in really put me off, but I've liked a lot. I like some of his early stuff, like Falcon and the Snowman. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it in a long time, but I watched it a lot when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I remember liking it a lot. And he's like, you know, twenty years old in it or something. And then he's in a movie with um, Christopher Walken and his brother Chris Penn called At Close Range from the '80s, uh, where he plays kind of a kid, but it's like a crime movie, and it's it was pretty decent too. I, I, I you know I don't mind him. I still want to see U Turn, the oh, yeah. Oliver Stone film he did. But uh, uh, oh, you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have seen it, and face. I'm like uh, <laughs> that. It, like <laughs> I I didn't think it was all that great. Well, uh, but I mean, but you know, you hate Boogie Nights, so what do you know? Whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> right, know That's actually another a small not to get off of your your review here, but another sh- small small news item. Mark Wahlberg talked shit about Boogie Nights. Said he regretted doing it. Why? I don't. I guess because of like the moral, penis. like I guess he has like a moral problem with it at this point in his life is or he, something. Is he? He's like super Christian now. I think. Ah, uh, is he? I don't know. I could I, see that. Maybe he is because he keeps doing those Peter Berg films. Yeah. So I can see him being like a like a born again or something. Yeah. And having problems with the sex, I guess, and stuff like that. But yeah. you know, it's pretty raunchy. What a puss! It's a um, great film. 
yeah anyway uh thin red line rules uh i think my favorite element of the movie uh like the backstory like he you know cut adrian Brody pretty much entirely out of the movie mm-hmm. which is great because you know he's kind of a boring character and jim caviezel is incredible in this movie mm. well i like and, the uh, idea that as far as i know adrian Brody's character is gay in the in the book really yeah, I uh, kind of like that idea. Like that, there's this closeted homosexual who's having to, you know, like deal with the fact that he's at war and he like hmm. can't tell anybody. You know, <laughs> like yeah. it's kind of an interesting. I like idea. Jim Caviezel's attitude towards everything. He's very like he's trying to face death with no fear, like the mm-hmm. entire movie, and everyone else around him is, you know, mm. fear stricken the sure. entire time. And I just love that when he finally, like, at the end when he finally faces death, you know, he's like calm about it. That's just great. I love that. So yeah, the shot where he lifts his rifle. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it, it's just so good. It's just so well made. And my favorite scene is Nick Nolte oh. calling the battlefield and talking to uh, what's yeah. his face and telling him to to rush the hill. And the guy's like, I just can't do it. It's suicide. I love Nick Nolte. Nick, uh, he just loses yeah. control. <laughs> I love Nick. Nolte. Pretty much everything with him. And uh, are you listening to me? Every scene with him is really great. But. uh his overdose, like the uh, voiceover early in oh, the movie, yeah. he's so like grizzled and stuff. He's like, "What am I doing here?" Like it's just like really, it's just really, it's dark and not trying to be dark. It's just yeah. uh, utter, I don't know, humanity. I guess I don't know. It's really great though. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Elias Cotias is the guy he's talking to. I forget. I always forget the guy's name. But uh. Elias Cotias. He's really good. He played. Um, Who's the guy? Who's the guy in uh, in the Ninja Turtles movie who wears a hockey mask and has a baseball bat? Uh, Casey Jones. Casey, he plays Casey <laughs> yeah. Jones in the in the in that movie. Wow. Yeah. But he was also <clears throat> in Zodiac. Uh, yeah, he's in Zodiac. He's been in a lot. Of stuff. I'm just saying that's yeah, like that's yeah. the first thing that came to my mind. He's in yeah, that. Yeah. But, um, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was he was in Gattaca. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either of you guys seen Fallen? With the uh, I have seen. Yeah, he's, he's the Goodyear. villain in yeah. Fallen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, okay. Well. Uh, I uh, I didn't. Now you're gonna have to remind me. Did I talk about Halloween H two O on last week's episode? No, you only talked about Halloween. Okay, I think you mentioned it, but you didn't. Okay, well I yeah, hadn't yeah. watched it yet. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched Halloween H two O, directed by Steve Miner, hmm. whose claim to fame is that he directed uh, some of the uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies. I think two and three, hmm. and uh, he he came and did this movie back in uh, the year 1998. Starring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis comes back to the franchise with a vengeance. Uh, her son, played by a young, uh, not unknown, named Josh Hartnett, <laughs> in his first role, introducing Josh Hartnett as uh, as the son, and uh, also Michelle Williams is in this. But I guess she had mm. done other shows and stuff. And uh, and the kid from Jumanji is in it too. Anyway, uh, it's a pretty pretty bad movie. Mm. Um, it's definitely shocking. I can see why I liked it. Like I loved this movie when I was a kid, like uh, in '98. Yeah, like like right. just like this is the shit. It's so good. But I don't. I I I guess I get it because it's like it's violent and everything. Mm. But it takes a really long time to get where it's good. Just like the first Halloween, I guess. Because like in the first Halloween. It takes like an hour and ten minutes yeah. before anybody gets killed, you know. Right. And uh, except for I was the first scene, but I mean, uh, before he starts killing babysitters in Haddonfield, and in this film, it's like he comes back like out of nowhere, uh, drives this like absurd like 
like it's funny because he stopped at this rest stop and this he stole the car and he stops at this rest stop and this woman and her kid pull up to this rest stop because uh, she's got to use the bathroom and her kid has to use the bathroom and they pull up and they just happen to have like he's got to switch vehicles right mm-hmm. they just happen to have like his theme vehicle it's like this ridiculous like truck from the 40s it's black <laughs> and just gross looking and it's like of course this is the truck he needs to because it's so creepy you know mm. So he steals their truck, and then he drives up to where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has faked her own death and reinvented herself as a new person who is the headmistress at some, uh, like, boarding high school. What the hell? And she won't – and the whole thing is gated, and she won't let her son leave the premises because she's afraid of Michael Myers. Mm. Wait, 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 back up. Michael Myers (laughs) drives a car. He drives a car in the first film. Does he? Yeah. I don't remember that. That's, like, a big deal in the movie because he – he says uh, he hasn't moved. Like he sits in a chair. They, like uh, Doctor Loomis is talking about how he's like sitting in. A, he's been sitting in a chair for like fifteen years and like staring at a wall. Mm. And then they're like, uh, he, that's, "That's right." He yeah. jumps into the the yeah. uh, station wagon and starts driving a much creepier vehicle, by the way. This yeah. seventies <laughs> station wagon. Yeah. And uh, Loomis says, uh, "Somebody, somebody around here must have taught him how to drive." Yeah, which just kind of never. It's just like a one off line. It's just kind of never explained, but um, kind of creepy, you know. But yeah, he drives. Uh, he drives quite a bit, and uh, the movie gets uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, he kills a couple of people, not really that many, not as many as you'd think. Mm. And uh, that's kind of like that's kind of it. And then, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, gets him, chops his head off, and then a couple of years later, they had to write their way around that to have a sequel. So H-T- they they said that. Uh, now this is H two O Halloween Resurrection. H two O two because uh, <laughs> they had to make it. They, so th- this is a ridiculous part. At the end of the film, he's been stabbed like ten times by Jamie Lee Curtis in the chest. Because mm-hmm. of course, like why stab him in the neck or cut off his head? Right, just stab him in the chest a bunch of times. Because mm-hmm. it's not like he got shot six times at the end of the first one. Anyway, uh, so Jamie Lee Curtis is like about to stab him in the face. And LL Cool J, who plays the security guard, is like, no, 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 he's dead. It's okay. He's dead. He's like trying to calm her down. And so, okay, you're thinking he's dead. And they put him in a body bag and they put him in the back of the coroner's van. Mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis grabs, I don't know where she gets this, but she grabs an axe. And then she pulls a gun from one of the uh, police officers. And she's like, everybody back. And then she jumps into the coroner van and drives off with him. Like, I'm going to go finish him, you know? And uh, and they have, like, a car accident, and he gets pinned to a tree. Uh, and then he, like, reaches out his hand, like, sister, it's me, you know? And apparently they wanted him to say her name, but uh, somebody, like, somebody overrode the decision, and he didn't. And then she chops his head off with an axe. And that's literally, it, like, jump cut to black, and that's the end of the movie. So in the sequel, apparently, I haven't seen the sequel, don't plan on it, uh... They write their way around that by saying that he somehow switched clothes with a paramedic oh <laughs> and escaped, God. even though there's literally no time when he could have done that <laughs> wow. at the end of this film. Like, it's absolutely absurd. So, like, so she cut the head off of a paramedic and didn't know it. Wow. It's just retarded. The movie sucks total dick. Don't see it. <laughs> I gave it a two. And just because just on the just on the back of it being like, it's fun. It's like 80 minutes long. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you can watch it. But and it's fun to see like Josh Hartnett just being horrible in it, and Jamie Lee Curtis just phoning it in hardcore, you know. <laughs> but that's it for me. Mm. I mean, not it for me. That's it. That's it for Halloween H two O. Right. Jonathan? No. Kevin? Kevin? No. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
My first Fastbender movie, Ali, mm. Furious oh, the Soul. Good one. I thought that was really, really good. Like, yeah. especially, um, like, uh, the main actress, like, the way she just has this, like, she's just trying so hard mm-hmm. to, like, believe in, like, goodness and fairness and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, like, it's really sad. Oh, she gets dumped on a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and all of, all of the neighbors, too. Like, yeah, you just hate the them yeah. so much. Because they are so like up in everybody's business, and Cunty. so yeah. yeah, and just you know, busybodies to the nth degree, and it's just like, God, go away, all of you. Um, yeah, it was really good. I guess yeah, it's not not a whole lot to say about it. Yeah, it's I mean, a it's a loose remake, as far as I know, of uh, All That Heaven Allows. The Douglas Sirk film, also okay. on Criterion, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. Apparently, we remade again. Uh, as uh, also has the word heaven in it with Julianne Moore and Dennis Haysbert from like 2004 or something. Uh, okay. uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, yeah, just the story of you know a, a white woman and a, uh, a minority <laughs> yeah, falling yeah. in love. You know, I think it's really a, yeah, it's really a good movie, and uh, there's a lot of commentary on racism in Berlin at the time. Yeah, uh, it was sure. really per- pervasive in Berlin at the time. Yeah. The woman also, the actress, is in uh, another Fassbender film that I liked a lot called Mother Cooster's Goes to Heaven, mm. which was awesome. So if you're into that actress, check that one out. Cool. 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 Uh, watch Thief, 1981, Michael Mann. Uh, blue. Lots of blue. Oh, yeah. Like a yeah. comical oh, yeah. amount of blue. <laughs> Everything is blue. And reflective surfaces. Yeah. Mm. Uh, totally fucking ruled, though. <laughs> this, is, this, this, this rules. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling it about 45 minutes in. Like, the, the, you get the first uh, job or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, like, the love interest shows up or whatever, yeah. you know. And I'm like, oh, no. Like this is I just want to see jobs. You know, yeah. I want to see like five jobs in a row and then it ends. <laughs> but uh I, I didn't mind it actually. I, yeah. I liked where it went and uh James Conn fucking rules. James Conn is awesome. His, <laughs> his accent is weird. Where's my end? It's like <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell I, I at first I didn't know where this was set. I was like, I guess it's Los Angeles because it's like uh Michael Mann, I guess, you know, I don't know, it's Los Angeles. But uh, no, it's Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, maybe it's in New York," because like the accents are kind of New Yorkish. I don't know, but now it's in Chicago. And I'm like, "Okay," yeah. but uh, yeah, then it picks up, dude. Holy crap, it picks up. That the the big job they do, yeah, is insane <laughs> with like the phosphorus rods. Yeah. <laughs> that kicks the last. But all that stuff's real too. Like, yeah, but, I know, uh, I heard that they that... actually did. Mm. They actually did it, and like, well, they 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 hired a a, a safe cracker as a yeah. consultant or whatever. And, uh, yeah. They use like some of the tools in the first one where he's like drilling and stuff. Like that's all like actual tools yeah. that they would actually use. Yeah. And they put the camera in like the drill hole. Dude, that rule. Yeah, it was so good. Um, yeah, I just like the procedural type stuff like that. Really, absolutely, really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, and. This is his debut, Michael Mann's debut. I believe this is Michael Mann's debut. Yeah, I think so. He made a TV movie before. He made a TV movie, and I think it was after this. It was uh, called L.A. Takedown, which Mm. was a which was what Heat became. But Uh, um, um, I'm pretty sure this is his first thing. Yeah, insane debut. Yeah, like really great, insane, Um, very unique too. Like I don't feel like there's a lot of stuff going on that's like this movie. Like 
It seems like it seems like one of the first movies that treats the criminal as with like respect. It's like this like he, he's got a trade. Oh, you yeah. know, his trade is safe cracking. Yeah. Mm. It's like a job that he's skilled at. Yeah. You know, he's not like a thug or anything. And uh Jim Belushi kind of rules. <laughs> I, like, I don't know like He's good in it, yeah. I, uh, I remember being like a little put off at first I was like Jim Belushi. No, he rules. <laughs> but he's pretty good. He's, he's How good. do you feel about Leo the the older the villain of the film? Uh, like T.H. Houghton from Frasier. You... <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> he's a he's a little ridiculous, maybe a little mm. over the top. I but, love uh, that scene though when they're when they're he's like talking, he's like threatening him, and it's that shot from Khan's perspective yeah, up, it's and he's down. like, "We're gonna we're gonna let let the uh, Mexicans run a train on your girlfriend yeah. or something like that." No, and it's he like, yeah. says much worse. Yeah, than some that. shit. But, uh, like yeah. That. But yeah, it's like it's like so fucked up. It's like a lot of racist. Yeah, stuff. it's like oh, really yeah. extreme. Yeah, he's he's really evil. Um, the ending, I mean, spoiler, obviously, but uh, the ending was pretty fantastic. Uh, there's a shootout, and then he just walks off, and he just, like, sends his wife away. Like, he's like, you're going to be safe, but, you know, we're done. Like, I can't ever see you again or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like, I don't know. It's just, he's just giving up everything. And Go starting, fuck yourself. Sta- starting <laughs> over again, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It was just really good. Also, Dennis Farina's first film, I don't know if you recognized him. He's the guy oh, yeah, they shoot yeah. on the lawn. He's got like yeah. the auto, auto yes, shotgun yes, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 This is his first film, so. Um, and the uh, Jim Belushi squib. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> My God, does he get shot with a shotgun? Yeah, yeah, it's extreme. It's insane. and he's got like a, the vans behind him or yeah. something. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's just really great. I miss, I miss, I miss when they used to shoot gunfights in slow motion. Like they yeah. never do that anymore. Like just, just where somebody's like shooting feel, and all of a sudden it's slow mo and like the weight exploding out. Yeah, you feel the weight exactly. of the shotgun. Mm. Yeah. And the shootout at the end, it's not like action packed. It's just like it's like there's like three or four shots. Blows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm a huge Michael Mann fan, but like this and Heat, like he he doesn't really need to do anything else. Like well, Last of the Mohicans rules. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. And I hope Collateral rules. Too, I hope Collateral holds up. I'm not it, sure <laughs> if it rolls. He's got four amazing movies. Yeah, and that's good. Enough that's for enough. Me. Yeah, forget it. Because <laughs> Black Hat is a train wreck. <laughs> Oh, was it? It was, it that was bad? horrible. I was kind of, oh. I was kind of wanted. Me too. Excited to see. Me that, too. But. It's terrible. Don't even worry about it. That sucks. But anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, and the soundtrack rules. Tangerine Dream. Yeah, the soundtrack uh, is great. And the Blu-ray, uh, Criterion Blu-ray, they have a lot of uh, interviews and stuff. They have an interview with uh, one of the guys from Tangerine Dream and Michael Mann himself. And Michael Mann is like really like smart and intelligent. <laughs> like in the interview, he's like. He's going all over the place. Like he's really he's like math, like math equations and stuff. No, he's just like <laughs> it's just very deep, a lot deeper than I thought it would be. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that shows. Like in his like his films are like yeah, they're crime films, but they're clearly like elevated crime films. Like I mean, they're not they're not yeah. like B movies or anything. I really made me want to watch Heat again. Heat is, we just watched Heat. I know, but I'm that's like, insane. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to compare because I just you, oh, you yeah, just feel. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. I think Heat is the cul- ultimate culmination of that like yeah. part of his filmmaking. But anyway, I uh, at the um, Criterion sale, I bought Certain Women, directed by Kelly Reichert. So I just put that bad boy in, and um, I guess it was shot on 16 millimeter film. It looks amazing. Mm. Uh, it stars Laura Dern, James LaGrosse, Michelle Williams, and Kristen Stewart. And another actress named Lily Gladstone, who I don't, I'm not sure has acted before, but uh, she's really terrific in it. And it's actually um, three uh, vignettes. 
that are like con- they're connected, but really you know kind of loosely connected. Like they have similar characters in each one, or like the same character in, in each one, but mm. they don't know each other. And it's just you kind of like see them in the background, you know. <laughs> but um, the first segment was about Laura Dern, who's a lawyer, and her one of her clients, played by Jared Harris, uh, who also is very good in this. He does a he does like this weird like Midwestern accent, which is crazy because I don't mm. think I've ever seen him where he wasn't British. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he has like lost everything and his life is falling apart and he's trying to sue this company but he already accepted a settlement so he can't sue them now and uh, Laura Dern is trying to explain that to him and she's getting really frustrated with it and he ends up like taking a rifle and taking a hostage at this uh, at this office building and he demands that she come and like talk to him and so the cops put a bulletproof vest on her and they send her in and there's like this uh, pretty great scene where they're talking about the situation that they're in and there's the the hostage is like the security security guard and it's just this really I don't know it's just weird it's weird to see Kelly Reichert if you're familiar with her work to see her yeah. shooting like something even that action oriented because yeah. it's not even the action it's but it's just like such a weird like she doesn't nothing is stylized in a Kelly Reichert film there's or if it is it's like under stylized right exactly yeah. so it's like it's weird to see this scene where I mean not that there's a lot of tension in that scene even I don't for a second think like. Jared Harris is about to blow his head off or something, you know, but it's like, mm-hmm. but it is just weird that he has a gun and there's like cops and stuff. Yeah. It's just strange to see it in a Kelly Riker film, but it worked really well. Laura Dern's awesome, obviously. I mean, she just fucking rules. Yeah, she does. She's, and I can I say, like, she's in her 50s, I think. She is fucking gorgeous. Like, she's <laughs> in the beginning of this movie, she's laying in the bed with her in her underwear. She looks great, man. Have I mean, finished Twin Peaks? No, I haven't finished Trim Pigs. <laughs> okay. Is she naked in it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> not that. Not. There you go. No, but she, I mean, she does look great. I mean, right, right. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's just like it's crazy how good she looks yeah. for her age, especially. I mean, I and I, I find her. I've found her attractive always. But but the point is, uh, anyway, after that vignette, uh, it goes on to this. Uh, the one I say the weak part of the film, and I think uh, Kelly Reichert mentions that a lot of people have told her that the middle vignette is like not good, and she they don't understand why it's there, and mm-hmm. it's Michelle Williams' story. Where she's married to James Legros, and they have uh, who's Roach in Point Break, yeah, uh, and they have a child, and they're trying. Like it's it is pretty. It's a pretty like banal, like mundane story <laughs> where they they're going to this guy's house to buy s- this uh, stone from his land. He's got like all this stone on his land that like used to be a church or something in the 1800s, and they want to use it to build a wall of their house. And they just think it looks great, and they're just trying to buy it off of him. And that's, like, literally the story. And then they buy it, and they drive it away. End of story. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a re- isn't that, like, so, like, it's just such a strange, it's like. It's short. I mean, yeah, well, each one is, well, that one's, like, 30 minutes. The first one's, like, 30 minutes, and the last one's really, like, the last one's, like, 30 minutes. And then they have, like, this, like, coda where they kind of revisit each one. Mm. Um, hmm. The last one's where it gets really good, though. And I'm going to be talking a lot about Kristen Stewart on this episode because I watched three of her films. Um <laughs> Kristen Stewart is awesome. <laughs> like, it's like our pets. I know. It's isn't that weird? <laughs> it's weird. She's crazy good yeah, in she this. Is good. She's so. And I'm gonna talk. I, I I almost hate to talk about it so much with this film, but she is great in this film. She's just so fucking naturalistic. Like everything she does, I'm just like that's ex- like she doesn't even feel. It feels like she doesn't realize there's a camera there. Hmm. She's just chilling and like talking, awesome. and she's delivering her lines like so. It's just everything's just so, like spot on. Like pitch perfect and uh the the story is about she's like a um a professor at a night school 
and uh, she's having to drive three hours to get there for this job and uh, and drive back three hours every night. So she only gets like very little sleep. She has a job during the day. And she's like, so it's like this, this struggle for her. Mm. She meets uh, Lily Gladstone's character who plays a rancher or a ranch hand. She like takes care of the horses or whatever. And she comes to this night school class and they meet and they like kind of strike up a friendship because uh they're both hungry when they get on so they go like and eat and stuff but it's obvious that lily gladstone has like romantic feelings for her but she never speaks it out loud to her and it's kind of kind of goes nowhere and unfortunately uh uh kristen stewart stops she quits her job because she doesn't want to drive three hours Mm. and so lily gladstone drives up to the city where she's from all these all these are set in montana all these stories Mm. um they're based on some uh, uh short story writer from there and uh she goes up to the town where she's from and she like confronts her about it. Like, why'd you quit? You know, I wanted to see you and stuff. And, uh, and it's just this really like melancholy, sad kind of, you know, she can't have her, you know? Mm. And, um, but it's just really well acted and incredibly, uh, effective emotionally and stuff. So I, I, I really, I, I enjoyed the film. I mean, I didn't, I didn't love, love, love the film. It's certainly like a weaker Riker film, but it's, I, I think it's definitely worth checking out. Can you rank it? Rank uh, rank, rank films? Reichert's films. Yeah. I was, I mean, especially in the middle of doing a list right now, and I watched everything. I need to rewatch Night Moves. That's the only one I've left to rewatch. Okay. But right now, uh, Meek's Cutoff is on top, followed by Wendy and Lucy. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought. Uh, oh yeah. Night Moves would be at the top, but you haven't rewatched. Night. It I have to rewatch it because yeah. it might mm-hmm. be. I don't know, but Meek's Cutoff blew me away. Um, nice. Meek's Cutoff, uh, uh, Wendy and Lucy, Old Joy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it well, leaves, uh, was it leaves of, is it leaves of grass? Is that one? That's the old Her one. first one? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that what it's called though? Leaves. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that would be at the bottom. Mm. Even, I mean, below this, this would probably be second from the bottom. I guess it's a 3.75 out of five. So, I mean, I definitely like it. I think I'd like it more in a rewatch, honestly. But, uh, anyway, not sorry to spend so much fucking time on that one. River of Grass. Dumbass. <laughs> River of Grass. That would be uh, at the bottom. But not because it's bad, just because it's, it's, not, it's not like her other films. And it's not mm. as good. There's but, a huge space in between that and our first movie. Yeah, she does, uh, she does River of Grass, and then she does, uh, she does Old Joy, like, many, many years later. 1994 and then 2006. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Mm. She made short films and stuff in between, though. Mm. Anyway. Jim? Uh, let's see. Rewatched Amadeus for the first time in a long time. Um, I really want to see that. I've never seen it. Yeah. I, the, mu- the music and stuff is really good. Like, F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> the music is really good. Well, obviously. <laughs> movie about Mozart. Mozart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, F. Murray Abraham, like, uh, like it's kind of towards the beginning of his career. Like, this is the kind of, this is the movie that, like, really made him. and uh, Won the Oscar. Yeah, he won the Oscar. And he's he's so good as as a young Salieri, old Salieri. Yeah, he's just fantastic. How do you feel about Tom Hulse? Uh, he's not... I, I'm middle of the road with him. Like I wouldn't say he's bad, but I wouldn't say he's especially great either. I thought he was pretty good in this. I, I mean, like I haven't seen him. Obviously, he's you know like Animal House and this. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But well, I mean, he was uh, um, Quasimodo and Hunchback of Notre Dame. So that's that's like probably the, the, like the, the voice. Highest. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so that's probably his the last big. Uh, yeah, his last <laughs> he's big been thing. in in a long time. 
uh, I mean, some like the, the the like cackling laugh. I think like they overdo that a little bit. Um, I think, but I, I think the thing that I, that blew me away when I saw it was the fact was that was it was like this. I the whole movie is based on this idea that you know most people have a conception of Mozart as being like stuffy, yeah, pretentious yeah. music, and yet he's this character is like so ridiculous. Yeah, like literally the first time. Well. Okay, the first time you see him as an adult, he's chasing this girl's skirt. Yeah, and literally, literally trying to bang this bitch. Yeah, in like the palace of the art, the Prince Archbishop of Salzburg. Yeah, and that one scene where uh, he's taking requests, and Salieri says, "Salieri, yeah, says, and he, Salieri, now that is a challenge." Yeah, and then he, <laughs> he starts playing it like. Makes the goofy faces and then farts at the end. He farts? <laughs> like, how and ridiculous. Yeah, like, lifts up his jacket. <laughs> no, like, wow. It's insane. Yeah. It's a good movie. You should check it out. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, sure. I really want to see it. Um, I watched it at Rustin's house the first time I ever saw it. And, uh, uh, it's like three hours or something? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty long. long. Well, uh, there's, like, the director's cut, which I think is quite a bit longer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, you can probably watch, like, just the theatrical I've only seen the theatrical, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the director's cut, like eh, it's just a little like little extra here and there. Like most of the stuff probably could have been cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, good solid movie. Sweet, awesome. I just have a heart of glass left. Oh, uh, okay. Well, uh, I'll talk. I I'll, I'm going to combine uh, two of these films, so I'm going to talk about Three Kings, uh, which I rewatched for the first time in a long time. Directed by David O. Russell from the year 1999, and uh, his only good movie. Yeah. Really, wa- <laughs> <laughs> really wanted my. I can't uh, believe you don't like Silver Linings Playbook, man. Like, uh, oh my god! <laughs> right, it's just so trash. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm a big David O. Russell fan, and I actually like. I prefer. I, I don't know if I prefer. I like his earlier stuff a lot. I like. Mm. Uh, I like everything he's done. Really, uh, I like um, this film. I like Iron Huckabees. I like yeah, uh, Flirting good. with Disaster. Um, so I, I think he's really, really talented. And uh, and uh, you know, obviously, since um, the Fighter, he's been going in this a uh, very uh, separate direction. But I, I like the Fighter a lot too. I think the Fighter. The Fighter rules. is good. I'll give you that. And I I do like Silver Linings Playbook quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> But um, this movie is, it's unlike anything else he's done. Uh, It's got a lot of really interesting filmmaking, like, kind of masturbatory stuff in it. But, I mean, it's really, but it's cool, you know. It's, like, it's stuff that, like, it's masturbatory in a way, but it's also not something that I've seen in other films. Like, other people wouldn't have the balls to do things that he's doing in here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, slowing down frame rates and stuff. It's, and, like, over, over, uh exposing film and things like that it's just really strange yeah. uh, techniques to be using in like a big budget hollywood I love mark the setting Wahlberg, too. george like, clooney no one did that right like, is there like another desert storm movie in uh, the 90s? lessons of darkness i mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's like, yeah no i don't know uh, like yeah jarhead came after this obviously and yeah. uh, i think much less successful uh, in in every way but uh, this movie is about George Clooney and, and uh, Ice Cube, Spike Jones, and Mark Wahlberg, who all are soldiers in Iraq. Uh, right after Desert Storm is in it, they just signed the treaty, and they find a map that they believe is going to lead them to Saddam's stolen Kuwaiti gold. 
and they're going to steal the gold and uh, great story. Be rich, mm. like kind of like a Kelly's Heroes kind of yeah. thing, you know, mm. which is really cool too because that's something I also you also don't see a lot of. Uh, it feels like those are like kind of the two movies that have that mm. this kind of like you know uh, war movie, but it's also a crime story. You know, I, I really I think it's an interesting uh, concept. But this movie just fucking rules. I love it a lot. I mean, I, I just had a blast watching it. Watched it with my wife, who hated it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, it's, she's going to love this I mean, movie. It's, like, yeah. it's just so easy. It's just like it's, it's like, like it's like candy going down. Yeah, yeah it's just it's easy, just... you know? But she just, she just, I don't know. She didn't like the, okay, for instance, like the frame rate stuff. She didn't like that. Like, yeah. for, like there's a scene mm. uh, about mid, about like the end of the first act, I guess, where um, there's a little bit of a shootout in the town. And the way they shoot the shootout is like Mark Wahlberg like they're all pointing their guns at each other you know and Mark Wahlberg's like stop and then it like cuts to Mark Wahlberg and he shoots he goes and then it like flies over like the camera flies over to the guy who's getting shot and he's like and then it goes cuts back to uh, Ice Cube and he's like and then it cuts back to the guy he's shooting and you know it's like really really slow you know and um I, I remember David or Russell said in the commentary or in an interview, I think I listened to the commentary at some point though. And he talks about how uh, the reason he did that was that he was like gun, like those kinds of, those kinds of exchanges in like a realistic setting are like so intensely quick that you wouldn't understand anything that's happening. So he felt the need to like slow it down yeah. mm. to give it more weight, I guess. And, uh, you know, George Clooney blows the guy's brains out also, which is an awesome <laughs> shot. Like the slow-mo of like the blood trickling out of his head. It's just, it fucking rules. But, um, she didn't like that. So whatever. Oh, well. And uh, she fell asleep during half of it. <laughs> but uh, that's all right. Long. Yeah, I know. She's just, you know, she's pregnant. So yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I really liked it a lot. Not much. I mean, there's not, not a whole lot to say. Spike Jones, I think, is like the real hero of the film. Like, he's he's just so funny. Like, he's so over the top. And re- Have you seen this movie, Kevin? No. Oh, my God. I remember seeing the trailer and, like, them... Uh... <laughs> You mean, you mean the stuff they make soup with? Yeah, no, yeah. Not the cubes you make soup with. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah it's great. He's great, and he's really. It's a real. That's why I've forgotten about it. Honestly, until I right when I put it in, I was thinking about the first scene. I was like, I forgot this movie is like basically a comedy. Yeah, like, I'm gonna laugh a lot. That's this. I've great. totally forgot about. That's it. what makes it great. Yeah, <laughs> it's really really funny. And uh, yeah, Spike yeah. Jones, man. I, I want to go back and watch all of his stuff. Like I've just I don't know his he's, directing stuff. Just everything. I yeah, don't know. he's just mm. funny. And Rewatch Wolf of Wall Street, man. He's the penny yeah. stocks guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. He's like, if you sell $50,000 worth of penny stocks, I will get on my knees and blow you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Classic. Five out of five. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. I mean, oh, 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 real quick. I'm sorry. That- <laughs> uh, Bill Tinch is in this movie from Mindhunter. Oh really? Yeah, he's like one of the. His name is Doug. He's he's because they all call him by their first names in the movie. Like they don't call him like sergeant yeah. or captain or. Whatever. So he's like the second in command behind. Uh, I think it's McKelty Williamson or Washington or whatever the uh, Bubba Gump or Gump or Bubba from uh, Forrest right, Gump. Right. He's like the head of the platoon. Like he's in charge of everybody. He's like a colonel or something. And then his direct underling is Bill Tench. Wow, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> he's so young. All right, sorry. Uh... Real quick, um, I watched Carnival of Souls, and that was a bad movie. Mm. Like it's basically an extended Twilight Zone episode, only without any of the heart and without any of the humanity that a Twilight Zone episode would have. And also, like the 
the thing that really irritated me the most was the sound and the score. Hmm. So, like, through the main character, she's an organist, and, like, she's been hired for this church, and she's going to be the church organist. So there's a lot of organ music in the movie. But a lot of the times, you're not sure, like, whether it's... Whether it's soundtrack or if it's like she's actually listening to it, because there's a point where like she's fiddling with the radio and the music keeps going, like it doesn't like change stations or anything. So it's like, why is she messing with it? And then at one point, like she's playing on the organ, you know, and it sounds like fairly like you know, sort of funeral like dirge kind of music and then the preacher interrupts her like what is this obscenity that you're playing on our organ <laughs> like, what are you talking about obscenity satan's triptych or whatever I it's guess. called the yeah. the tri note or yeah i mean so it's like just out of nowhere stuff that doesn't make any sense and it's like yeah like rod i'm sure like like if he saw it rod serling was probably like <laughs> just laughing his ass off at like how dumb a ripoff of his stuff that that was. Um, but then I watched Element of Crime, which was way way better. Um, Lars von Trier's first movie, very very atmospheric, very like there's a lot, a, there's a lot of Hitchcock in there. There's some Alphaville, a um, lot of film noir kind of stuff, but it like also has like its. Like, you can see, like, all the homages that he's putting in there, but at the same time, it's, like, really original as far as the look goes. So, like, that was really cool. I remember seeing a, uh, I have no idea where, but it was some kind of, like, collage of movie scenes, you know? Like, they do at, like, award shows and stuff. They'll just put all these movie scenes together and, like, yeah. this big collage with music behind it. And I remember seeing something like that. And the last scene that they showed was that super slow-mo scene from this movie with the, I think it's a horse in it or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember seeing that and be like, what the fuck movie is that? Because that yeah. shit looks awesome. And it, and I looked it up and it was Element of Crime and I went and bought it on uh, on eBay, I think, or Amazon mm. on Criterion and uh, watched it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's uh, like definitely like if you're into Von Trier now, and you go back, like, if you just watch Nymphomaniac and you're like, Nymphomaniac rules, like, this movie's not going to rule to you. Like, it's totally, mm-hmm. like, night and day, you know? Like, when we watched Europa, yeah, you know, it's like, that movie doesn't okay. doesn't have the same style that he's got now. He's definitely, like, changed a lot. And uh, he's gotten more, I don't, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's like, it's like he's gotten more confident and he understands what he's trying to do more now mm. like europa have you seen europa no but i saw like the, like element of crime is supposed to be like the first in like uh europa trilogy right 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 yeah. both of those like they just he uses a lot of like kind of like film school tricks you know like mm. uh europa has a lot a lot of um rear projection in it and like oh, right. uh they yeah. they do like color and black and white and stuff like that and mm. just very 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 highly stylized and it seems like he's gotten away from that entirely and it's just like he wants to do like all handheld documentary style mm. but with these absurd stories that you know just yeah. aren't real at all you know yeah. but uh but yeah I, I uh I, it's been a long time since i've seen it yeah it was a funny thing too like i'm watching the movie and i'm like Man, this reminds me so much of Brazil, but hmm. it actually came out before Brazil. Oh wow! So it's like might have been a little bit of an influence on I Gilliam. Would not, I would not doubt it. 
I would not doubt it. Gilliam's a hack. I've been saying it for years. No, he's great. <laughs> Twelve Monkeys rules. You can't. You can't deny. Yeah. Twelve. Uh, Fear and Loathing. Twelve Monkeys in Brazil. Just like he. Another one like Michael Mann. You made those three films. You're good. Yeah, yeah, Don't even worry about it. Stop making movies. Yeah. Well, Fisher King is great. I, too. I haven't seen it, but I, <laughs> I hear it's very good. Yeah, I've it's, almost it's, bought it a couple of times. Blind buy. I would. I would get it. You'd recommend it. Oh, for sure. I might because they just released it on Blu-ray this last year. Yeah, because like it's so like, like I would probably say like of Gilliam's movies, it's probably like the most emotional because mm. uh, like Rob like Robin Williams plays a guy who's like lost his wife and like it's kind of sent him off the deep end. Um, so like he believes that he's a knight searching for the Holy Grail and like. Like the like the things that like lead up between like him and uh, Jeff Bridges' character, and like how like how they meet and all that kind of stuff. Like, God, you just feel so much, mm. and like, yeah, probably the most of like any of Gilliam's. Movies I definitely need to see it. Me. It's one. It's definitely a big blind spot in my um, my my whole watching. You know, I mean, I've seen yeah. a lot of. I've seen most of what. What is considered to be great Gilliam films? I haven't seen that one, so yeah, you can you can skip Munchausen as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, you done with uh, uh, what you gonna call it? Uh, yeah, just got two more to talk about. Two more. I uh, I'll let you talk about both of those at once because I'm gonna talk about both of these at once because they're okay. from the same director and they have the same actor in them. Uh, I watched Clouds of Sils Maria and Personal Shopper, both directed by. Olivier Assayas and starring Kristen Stewart and uh, Clouds of Sils Maria also stars Juliette Binoche and it's a story of an actress who is being asked to be in a play the play is about an older woman seducing a younger woman and then when she was 19 years old 18 or 19 she got famous from being in this play as the younger Uh, woman so they're asking her now to play the older woman because she is older you know she's like in her 40s or whatever Mm. even though again another one looks great for her age but um so she's been she's been asked to do this she's reluctant to do it but she accepts Kristen Stewart plays her uh assistant who is like also you know kind of like her like best friend they kind of hang around all the time you know and stuff and talk about whatever and she's helping her run lines for it and stuff and it's just a real like in-depth look at what an actress is or what an actor's process is of like trying to like because there's a lot of like really kind of uh like shop talk about acting you know Mm. like this this line doesn't mean anything to me because it needs to be here and we need to do this and like she'll she'll be like running a scene and all of a sudden she'll just lose it and be like this doesn't make any fucking sense like (laughs) they just get really upset and uh she's just having a lot of trouble with the idea of playing like the older person she's like i don't connect with this character because i was the other character and Mm. Chloe Moretz is in it, uh, not very much, which is great because I I just really don't like Chloe Grace Moretz at all. But uh, she's she was a hit girl in Kick Ass. Yeah, and she was in a remake of Carrie, which yeah, like she's awful. I would like to state on the record, I would like them to stop making Stephen King adaptations because <laughs> there's been like seventeen or probably nineteen. For all the Stephen King fans out there. And that's just too much. Okay. 
It's I don't just get that. Much. I don't get that reference at all. That's okay though. Yeah, uh, I uh, <laughs> yeah I I don't I don't like her, but she plays like a Lindsay Lohan ish type uh, starlet who's been hired to play the younger version in the new play, mm. and uh, she's kind of a total you know bitch, obviously, and there's like conflict there. But um, I you know I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. Uh, wasn't perfect. Definitely maybe a little over long, and um, there's some parts of it like. Kristen Stewart kind of drops out of it in the last 10 or 15 minutes. And it's not like I was like, she's not the star of the movie. Juliette Binoche is pretty much the star of the movie. But when she drops out, like their banter was keeping me going through it. Like they're, they're acting together and like they're, uh, you know, working off each other was a lot of fun to watch. And when she, when she kind of leaves the film, it's, you know, less interesting inherently. But um, then, then my wife, for our anniversary, which was on Tuesday, very sweet gesture. Something she never does. She doesn't ever buy me movies because she knows I own everything, mm. and she's afraid to buy something I've already bought, or she's yeah. afraid to, you know, uh, get something I don't want or whatever, which is fine. Very sweetly, she bought me uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me on Criterion Blu-ray, nice. which I already bought, oh. <laughs> which suck. I bought at the sale the first day, uh, and unfortunately had not told her that I bought it yet because it's not something I like I don't I don't know I just I buy so much shit I don't like tell her everything I buy but um so she bought me that and she gets it home and she's she says she's shaking it around she's like it doesn't it sounds like something's loose and she's she's my wife so she knows like something's loose there's a problem okay because all the time we go to fye and shit would be loose all the time at fye because all that shit's used and people are just fucking throwing it around and this could be loose and scratched the fuck so she opens it uh before i get home to see if something is loose and there's nothing it's the booklet inside of it's like jarring around you know she doesn't know but she looks and she's like everything's cool so she puts it back in the bag and she waits like home and i open i'm like hey this is great you know and i'm really really excited that she got it for me just because she got me a movie that's great unfortunately i already have this you know and i'm like that's okay then we'll just take it back so i look at the receipt can't bring back unopened or Uh, open stuff has to be unopened uh, so I was like, what the fuck? I was like, fuck this. We're going to go over there. I'll make a stink. Like, I'll I'll talk to the, the manager. I'll write emails. Like, we're <laughs> returning this. You just bought this. She literally just bought it like 20 minutes before, like on her way home. So we went back over to the, the store. Not that big of a deal. Told them what happened. Told them uh, I already had it. Told She told them that she had to open it because she thought something was loose. They just, they were like, no problem. You know, they gave us uh, the, the cash back. She was like, let's go upstairs and get you a Criterion. <laughs> so we walked upstairs. One of the first things I pick up, personal shopper. I'm like, been wanting to see this, especially since Klaus with Sils Maria. Got to see the follow-up. And mm-hmm. uh, just went ahead and blind bought it and watched it and liked it a fuckload. This movie is great. You got to check out this movie. <laughs> this movie is way different than Clouds with Sils Maria. It's way sparser and a lot more... Uh, I don't know, just just better. <laughs> and uh, Kristen Stewart, again, starring as uh, the personal shopping person, personal shopper for some some type of movie star or rock star. I don't, you yeah. never really figure out what who the hell this woman is that she yeah. shops for, but some type of person who's too famous to do her own shopping. And uh, so she does all her shopping for her, mostly for clothing. And... Uh, it's her brother had died and it was her twin brother mm. and they they both lived in paris 
and he died in this house. So she's also this is the weird thing about this movie. Okay, she's a medium, like a <laughs> spiritual medium, right? Okay. And she and the way they talk about spirituality in this, like the idea of ghosts, spirits being a medium, is so ridiculously matter of fact. It's just like my brother was a medium, and so am I. Like so, I'm just waiting for him to give me a sign. So she stays in this house where he was here. He died, and she's waiting for him to give waiting for him to give her a sign uh, that he's his soul is at peace or whatever. And as ridiculous as that sounds, and I know it sounds ridiculous, it does. It's so well done. It's incredible, and it's like really affecting. And again, the naturalism of Kristen Stewart's acting is just like she's so fucking real. You have to believe it. Even when she says stupid shit like, I saw a spirit and it vomited ectoplasm at me. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. And I, when she said that, I was like, isn't ectoplasm like something invented by Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that a real thing that people think about? Like that yeah. they, they, they think is existing in the world? But anyways, um, really great movie. Uh, there's like kind of a weird uh, cat and mouse, uh, like a 35 minute long it's like a chase scene almost, but it's all over iPhone. Like she's getting these texts from this random unknown number <laughs> and she's texting back and it's like this cat and mouse kind of thing. Mm. And it's so long. And in the middle of, it, I was thinking, I remember telling uh, Nicole after we watched, it, I was like, I was thinking like, it reminded me of, um, the liturgy album. Cause when you first told me about liturgy and the artwork, and you were like, I can't figure out if this is total shit or genius. <laughs> and I was like, it's the same thing. I was like, is this awesome or is this like really stupid? I can't figure it out. Like it's 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 like right on the like on the cusp. It's like a knife edge, you know. Uh, but I've decided that it's great, <laughs> and I really I really like the film. Yeah, so it's it's killer, and uh, I really hope they make more movies together. And I really want to watch uh, Olivia Sias's other stuff. He did the Carlos miniseries, which is on Criterion. Oh, okay. Mm. And um, really want to check that out, and uh, obviously hope uh, hope Kristen Stewart continues to do great things. She's oh she she's rumored for the Charlie's Angels reboot, which is going to be a nightmare. But reboot, yeah, like why? Directed by Elizabeth Banks, <laughs> who directed Pitch Perfect, and is Elizabeth Banks, <laughs> right? That's it for me, except for Heart of Glass. So if you want to burn through your last two there, Kev, uh, we can. I got a quick. Quick question for you. Sure. Um, so when you like go out and buy stuff, do you like get home and immediately shelve it, or do you like put it somewhere to like shelve it later? I or? okay. Here's the thing. My house is two stories, so mm-hmm. when I get home, in order to shelve something, all my films are in my office upstairs. So I'd have to bring it all the way upstairs to mm-hmm. shelve it, and I don't go upstairs unless I have to, right? Because it's, it's stairs, you know. Like I don't <laughs> want to go upstairs. Uh, I have to go upstairs, like, you know, to feed the cats. I got to go upstairs to do laundry. Like, I don't, I don't want to go upstairs. Okay. So I'll generally take it. I almost always open it immediately. Right. Just because, you know, you never know. Uh, you know, not that I even check the disc or anything. I just literally just open it and look at it and make sure it's like, you know, the case is fine and stuff. Mm. And then I just uh, set it on a giant pile of Blu-rays uh, on my my uh, stand thing, my media whatever. Media center. What would you call that? It's like a... It's like a shelving unit that holds all of my like I got my uh, my laser disc players on it, yeah. my PS4 is on it, and my 200 disc DVD changer is on it, which I have all my TV shows loaded into and never fucking use. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've turned it on zero times since I've lived in the house. Oh, it's been wow. two years, so but uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like streaming. It's like right, and even I've I all like most of the shows I have in the thing aren't shows that are streaming. 
but it's mm. such a fucking hassle. Like I gotta turn the HDMI yeah. to that one. I gotta turn the thing on. I gotta find the fucking disc. Right. Like there's two hundred fucking discs. I don't have everything <laughs> labeled in there. In order to label everything, I have to literally go in manually with a keyboard and label it. Oh, like, geez. and it's not like it's an old unit or anything. It's from like two thousand eight or something. But right. it's, it just doesn't have like manual read or whatever. Oh, so it's man. just a fucking nightmare. I've got all my Batman series in there. I got Roseanne the entire series in there. Right. King of Queens the entire series. Seinfeld the entire series. But you know, it's a killer lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. If I ever get like real real sick, I'll probably watch it. All of it, you know. Yeah. If I'm just like down for like two or three weeks, then I'll just you know burst like just burn through Roseanne and yeah, whatever else. Big O got Big O in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gundam Wing, the entire series. Yeah. But anyways, that's uh, that's all my movies. Cool. Um, let's see. Also, I watched uh, my first Safdie Brothers movie, Daddy Long Legs. Now, can I ask you how did how you watched this? I got. Uh, we have the DVD. In the library system. So, mm. oh wow, okay, yeah. Okay, I, so let me ask immediately. Then I'm sorry. I need to get that before you even start. Mm-hmm. I downloaded this movie, right? And I've been wanting to see it since I saw the trailer for it. Before I knew who the Safety Brothers were, I just thought it looked looked like a good movie, uh-huh. and uh, never got around to seeing it. Finally, when I realized, uh, you, oh, I like the Safety Brothers, I should probably watch it? it. No, yeah, I've seen it. Okay, uh, downloaded it. I watched right, watched okay. it. Uh, like a year ago, maybe. Oh. Well, not even that long. Six Sorry, months ago. Confused. The point is, the point is, downloaded it. Mm-hmm. Um, watched it. Now, let me just ask you this question. Uh-huh. How do you feel about the sound design? Does that mean anything to you? Uh, to be honest, I didn't really notice it that much. Really? The gunfire? Don't rem- really remember gunfire. Is this in the your movie. shitty download? I don't know. In the film, yeah, I remember you telling me this. There and is it sounded kind of badass. <laughs> it's weird as fuck. In the film that I'm watching, uh-huh. certain scenes, right, all the way through the film, in the background, there will be like machine gun fire. It sounds like Vietnam. It's like. It's like bombs going off, gunfire. And it's like usually when he's like you know when he's like extra frantic like trying to get them to like together to go somewhere right, or something like that right. and it'll be like gun and I'm like and I swear to God I watched this whole movie and I'm like this is really this is such a strange choice and then I'm looking I'm like I've got to know what is the point because uh, I'm like I'm thinking like is this some kind of like veiled attempt to say he's like a veteran. And, like, that's why he's acting like he is, like, this irresponsible kind of, like, jerk yeah, off, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, he, because he just, he's messed up from the war or something. Looked up, uh, I think I watched two full length uh, Q&As with the Safety Brothers from that film. Right. Never mentioned once. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, is I, this, this has to be something they added into the down. Like, and I was like, who would do that? Like who would put this movie on BitTorrent or whatever, and then like and like throw on a bunch of sound effects into it? Yeah, because like I like you didn't notice this at all. No, um, so bizarre. I gotta I gotta maybe, watch maybe the DVD. It's, so, like, it's especially weird it. since like uh, I forget which one, Josh or Benny. Like one of them was like they're credited for like on set sound design, and then like really? just sound design. And like like one of them does sound design, the other is like doing cinematography. But they you know both wrote and directed. Mm, strange. Um, I don't know, man. That yeah, that sounds like 
I, I would have noticed something like that. Right. I mean, like, I mean, I mean it was granted, pretty. It's New York, and it's et probably pretty. Yeah, but it's like when they're in their apartment and shit. Like, it's no, pretty no. hard not to notice. Yeah. Like, like if if you didn't notice it, I'm gonna say it wasn't there. Yeah, I, I think you got like a weird like some somebody messed with that. I think. So I gotta rewatch this movie now. So I gotta get it from the library. Yeah. Mm. You got it here with you. No, uh, I already brought it, turned it in. Oh, you fuck. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, okay. Well, well, how'd you like, feel? I, about... I figured you would have had. No, no, like, no. <laughs> you know, like I don't some... own it. I don't own it because it's not on Blu-ray. But I mean, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. whenever, hopefully, uh, the Criterion, you know, has got all their all this a lot of the Safdie Brothers stuff on their site. I'm hoping they're going to release. Yeah, because they've been something on Criterion. Box set. Yeah, because like they've been over there a lot apparently. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And they've they did a uh, good time cake. For yeah, whatever whatever <laughs> yeah. holiday that was. Uh, anyway, uh, well, how'd you feel about uh, go get some rosemary, aka Daddy Longlegs? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, like the the main guy Lenny, like he was pretty fantastic. Like just the manic, like you know, freaking out and like yelling at the kids. And <laughs> like the first scene when he's like yelling at the principal, like like. Like, your son assaulted his teacher. Like, don't reprimand me in front of my kids. Don't reprimand me in front of my kids. Yeah. <laughs> he just <laughs> ignores, like, anything and everything that's going on around him. But, like, like you can tell, like, yeah, he's kind of a ne'er-do-well. Because, like, he, obviously he doesn't have a lot of money. And, um, you know, he's just... But he, he edits film for a living, right? Yeah, or, like, he's a projectionist. Or a projectionist, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right, yeah. And, um, but, but, yeah, like, he's doing... He, like, you can see he's doing his best to be a good dad, even though, like, you know, he's... He's doing his best. He he literally drugs his kids well to, to leave the house. He uses NyQuil, NyQuil as a babysitter. Not NyQuil, though. It's some kind of weird... It's some, like, extra hardcore drug, right? Yeah, it wasn't... It wasn't Percocet, but it was, like, so, yeah, some kind of, like... He thought he was pill. giving them, like, a little tiny bit, but it was really way too much, and he almost kills them. Well, like, yeah, he puts them in, like like, like, a hair below a coma... Oh my god! And uh, is this based on? It's ba- according childhood? to the Q and A's. They said that the character is like sort of based on their father, but that never that never happened to okay, them. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but they were saying like they were trying to get they were trying to make a movie in like memory of their father. Yeah. Well, I mean, like aside from that, like he is like trying to do good by them. Like, sure. Like, I mean, he, I can like, see like he, he takes he, them yeah. out and like he does fun. He stuff clearly is he, fond of them. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, like but he's this very thing, irresponsible. Yeah, he's but like yeah, he's also very irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like this interesting juxtaposition um, between between the two. Um, but yeah, I gave that one a three out of five. Yeah, I think I went three and a half. So I mean, yeah. it wasn't it's not it's not mind blowing or anything, but it's certainly yeah. certainly worth worth watching, especially if you're you know if you're a safety bro for sure. And uh, I've got a uh, good time on hold, but we haven't even gotten copies. Oh, yeah. It doesn't come out till later this month, I think. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought it was early December. Is Maybe. it early December? It might be. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm getting it the day, day fucking one. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to watch You haven't it. got it pre-ordered, man? I don't pre-order it. <laughs> I, I, wa- I never watch movies more than once in the theater. Watch that bitch twice. <laughs> it was, I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. And last one, rewatch Battleship Potemkin. Like now, this is an Eisenstein film. I, yeah, yeah, Eisenstein movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you seen this? I haven't seen anything that Eisenstein has done mm-hmm. uh, all um, the way through. I've seen like certain we we studied them a little bit at college and a couple of classes I took. They showed some scenes from his movies, but we never. Yeah, I never watched yeah. like the entire thing. Yeah, the um, uh, like the first time I remember 
hearing about Eisenstein is in the commentary for Gangs of New York where uh, Scorsese is talking about this scene where a guy smashes a plate and about how there's so many cuts and like the action is not the plate it's the dude's arm etc etc Mm. um I'm not Martin Scorsese, so I didn't get as much out of that particular scene <laughs> as he did. But, you know, to each their own. Um, like, I think, like, the... From what I understand, the most famous segment of the movie is the scenes on the Odessa steps. like all Recreated this, in many films. Yes. And, uh... But, yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff, like... going Like, I've seen a lot of violence on film. And for this movie, like from 1925 like so first off you have like a bullet like graze like a five year old he falls down on the steps and there are people stepping on him like stepping on his hands and stuff and it's like whoa okay like I've seen like you know much more like visceral like you know gory kind of stuff but like this was just like whoa whoa hang on hang on no whoa this is too much um and then like the the mother like picks up picks up her son and like comes up to the soldiers and then they shoot her. Jesus. Yeah, it's like, and this is like the twenties, man. Yeah, so it's all real. They're actually well. There's no rules back then. <laughs> That's before the code, and it's a foreign film, so it's, yeah, it's, there are no it's fucking Russia, rules. So, yeah, so they're, they're trying to like paint the uh, like the czarists in like the most horrible light imaginable. Sure. Um, Bolsheviks for life. Sure enough. <laughs> um, and yeah, then there's a scene where like this woman gets shot and like she falls over and it knocks her baby's carriage down right. the steps and like you're, the camera's like following following the baby. Like you've seen Untouchables. Yeah. Okay. Whole. Uh, it's se- been forever. All recreated in the last scene, penultimate scene of of Untouchables. Okay. Yeah. The baby carriage and everything. Yeah. To great effect, and also redone uh, comically in uh, Naked Gun. Yeah. I believe thirty three and a third. Right. Yeah. Same kind of situation, but more mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. You know? But yeah, very good movie. Gave that one a four. Oh, okay. I'll have to check it out for sure. I haven't seen any Eisenstein stuff, and I should. We're gonna move on now to. The deep dive. Jonathan, you want to tell us a little bit about your pick for this week? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's Heart of Glass by Werner Herzog from 1976, Six. you said? Yep. Yeah, 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, Score by Popol V. Yeah. One of their more folk, that's more folksy, more folk, folk-esque. Is it? Yeah, it's kind of like Gregorian. We'll, we'll have to talk about that. It's a little. Yeah, isn't not, some of the stuff like, uh, like, um, public domain stuff? Like, yeah, I think there's a yeah. credit for that in the beginning. I think it is. Um, yeah, it's uh, set in a small Bavarian village, uh, where this uh, ruby glass is made. Hmm. Uh, it's like a like glass blowers stuff like that. Um, and the person who, I guess, invented it or has the recipe for it passes away. And the town loses its mind, collective mind. The uh, and the people dive into chaos. Yes. At this um, point. And the, I guess, the the overlord of the village. The master. The master, yeah, with yeah. Baron, yeah. yeah. Uh, he really loses his mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, and everyone is hypnotized in the movie. 
for the most part. The actors are hypnotized yeah, the, before each take. Um, which I guess signals, you know, signifies their psychosis. Yeah, craziness, yeah. Sure. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's just a bunch of crazy shit happens, and it's the most Herzog thing ever. <laughs> this is your favorite Herzog film. It is, yeah. Okay. Mm. And uh, so I guess I'll start. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'll start by saying... Flaming Pile. Do you watch this on DVD, yeah? Yeah, I watched it on okay. DVD. Did you? Blu-ray. Blu-ray, okay. Yes. Now, the first time I watched this film, the scene that was fucking awesome... It wasn't even a scene, it's just the line. You know the line I'm talking about. There's several amazing The lines. chaos of the stars yeah. makes my head ache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the Blu-ray, new translation... No. Untidiness of the stars. Ah, right. Makes my yeah, headache. Gross. Watch the how movie. how horrible DVD is that change? For life. Chaos to untidiness? Like who cares? I don't care how accurate the translation is. Chaos mm. is the word. Yeah. So I was very disappointed with that. I was yeah. terribly disappointed That's when it happened. Because it it's just I just remember like just jizzing over that line just, just like, so fucking yeah he just raises that hand up oh he's so good but um no I liked it I uh, I certainly wasn't bowled over by it like uh, mm. like you apparently are yeah um I think I remember liking it more the first time I watched it this time I had a few problems with it that I genuinely don't remember from the first time which are seems like he uses a lot of stock footage. Like I don't know if this is getting to the either nature one. Shots? Like the nature shot, yeah, yeah. and they don't match the, what he's shooting at all, really? and it like yeah, it's I, jarring and like kind of unpleasant. Huh. Like uh, he'll be he'll, like he'll be shooting like that beautiful shot of the uh, the clouds in the mountain and yeah. like the yeah, time yeah. lapse photography. That's gorgeous, right? Yeah. And then it'll like cut to this like close up of some like you know, like bubbling water or something, yeah. but it's like grainy and out of focus and it looks like yeah. shit. Yeah. And I was like, what are they, why? And, then, and they'll hang on it for like two and a half minutes. I'm like, <laughs> jump out of this shot. This is horrible looking. Like, it probably I, looks worse on the Blu-ray too. It, yeah, uh, I probably. I don't know. Cause I, like I said, I didn't notice it the first time or it didn't, I don't remem- remember it from the first time. I really doubt it's stock. He probably shot it himself. Yeah. But it's probably 16 millimeter or something. Oh, well mm-hmm. it, Definitely, uh, I was not a fan of it. I love the landscape shots. I love the cinematography of the film itself. Like outside of those shots, I think the film looks amazing. Uh, and I mean, it's always I always come to Herzog thinking like he's utilitarian and it's not going to look amazing. It always looks fucking great. I don't know what it is. I can't like I don't like associate him with like beautiful images for some reason. But then you go and you watch them, and they're just like he knows he's like very good at like putting a putting a shot together and. Uh, Everything is like just beautifully framed and uh, really, really well made. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like again. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's not near the top for me. What is your favorite for Herzog? I mean, I hate to say it, like it's it's such a like lame kind of uh, get out of jail free kind of like Lessons of Darkness. Like I don't, you can't Besides go, that. you can't go above it. Like what what is better? Like now, if we're saying like narrative, my favorite narrative at the moment, having not rewatched anything else, Aguirre. Okay, just because I mean, I rewatched it. It is a five out of five. I don't like. I need to rewatch the other Kinski stuff because I remember loving uh, Voizek. 
Uh, I like Strozek a lot. Uh, you know, so maybe uh, who knows? Cobra Verde could be on top of the list by the time I rewatch it. But um, yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I just didn't. I wasn't like you know, wasn't blown away. Now that's not to say that there aren't moments that are like boner inducing <laughs> in a totally non-sexual way. Just like oh my god, the, where? How did we get here? This is incredible. Mm. Things I forgot all about the bear fight. Yeah, <laughs> I I almost lost it when he fights the invisible bear. <laughs> that is so, so fucking good. <laughs> Yeah, he's just he's rolling around with the knife. Oh my god, that kicks so much ass! Right when that, like when, that, right before that happened, I was like, I was, I was like, I was like a little bit downtrodden because I was like, this movie is just like not doing it for me. Like I remember it doing it, and then that scene happened. And I was like, that's what I needed. <laughs> and then everything from the beginning of the bear fight on is pure cinema. It's yeah. unbelievably good. Yeah, it's really the whole anything where uh, Hias or Hias or whatever mm. is predicting the future and just talking about things that he sees in the future, and you can like put it in your mind, say, "Oh, he's talking about this. Oh, he's talking about World War One, or he's yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. that." You know, like he Pretty says, crazy. he says the, pl- the the giant bird will take a shit on the city, and the city will be engulfed in flames. Yeah. All yeah, like, yeah. oh, he's talking about Hiroshima or something. You know, it's just yeah. like it's just these incredible, like really cool moments. And uh, when he starts talking about the the distant future, when the men are living on the rock island, and the first one to doubt, <laughs> it's just it just kicks so much fucking ass. I was like, this should be the whole. Movie. I want to see the whole film of this. Yeah. Just literally him narrating and these guys living on the rock island. That's that would kick so much ass. I love the song too that they play. Uh, yeah, they uh, yeah playing the song to, to uh, for the men that are leaving. That was great. Oh yeah, yeah. They play when they play music for yeah, them. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. I I really like that. So I mean, like, those, that's the thing though. Like those, the, those moments at the end, like it has such a for me, the ending is so fucking strong that it really like pulls the whole thing up for me a lot. And there, are, you know, there are some like some things earlier on that like I just like it's not like they don't they don't do it for me. They don't blow me away like that. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, I like. I mean, I like, you know, uh, the scene where the guy dances with the dead body, the rigor mortis dead body. That scene rules, too. <laughs> he goes and gets him and he he's, like, dr- he's, like, bringing him in. He's, <laughs> he's, like, a plank of wood. It's so good. That's, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like this movie could go five for me eventually if I rewatched it, like, a bunch of times. But, like, just on this on this viewing, it just wasn't quite there. And this is for the – really just for, like, the stock footage and this kind of, like, the the fact that – um, I like the fact that there's a story and that it's not like this completely esoteric. You know, it's not like it's not like a you know fuck fest where they're just like it's weird to be weird or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may, clearly there's something going on. You know, um, but I don't know. It just doesn't. It, I don't know. It just didn't hit me. It's kind of hard to put into words. I yeah, guess. Yeah. I Kevin, know. how'd you feel about uh, Heart of Glass? Uh, I noticed. Uh at the beginning, I think that the beginning of Grand Budapest Hotel is a little nod to the beginning of this movie because really? it's the same. Like it opens up with uh, the three dudes sitting on a bench in the snow, and they're yodeling. Oh, yeah. and there's yodeling at the beginning yeah. of this, and uh, 
like there's um, some similar musical stuff in the name of the rose uh, especially like towards the end where it had like this like string instrument I don't know exactly what it was maybe a lute or something like that um, yeah I thought the movie looked really good um, I was not really enamored with the story because I didn't feel like um, I didn't feel like the reasoning for the town losing its mind about over the ruby glass I didn't think that that was explained in a satisfactory way because mm. like there's there's the point where like the barons like even talking about uh, like I think he talks about digging the guy out of his grave to like <laughs> yeah. try to like um, but yeah, like they, so we like, can study his brain. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> something like that. But but yeah, like you never you never know. Like okay, like is the ruby glass like is this the town's income? Is it the baron's income? Is the baron just so hard up for riches that he or you know specifically for this ruby glass? Like like why? Like you know what reason? can you give for this town losing their mind over over this stuff right so um yeah I, is there a reason uh i'm sure it represents something greater yeah i agree i think i yeah, feel like it's probably yeah. metaphorical but also i mean i i, I always i kind of looked at it as like almost like a drug situation like mm. like it gives them some kind of euphoria and the fact that uh the guy's not around to make it anymore and there's like a finite amount now now it's like panic time it's like we can't have like because he's always because he's always like i must have the glass i need it i need the red i need the ruby you know and it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like he never says why but it's like it's, it's like they're not using it really for anything it's just like sitting on shelves and they're looking at it you know so it feels like yeah, almost yeah. like it's like uh you know not to I guess no pun intended. It's not. It's hypnotic. I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> even though they're being hypnotized. I mean, I, you know, it's like yeah. it's it's somehow giving them some kind of uh, you know thrill or something just to have it around. But I, I also I I could agree with that. Like uh, the the fact that the master is the primary one who seems concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other people don't seem terribly concerned. You're right. Mm. I don't know but they are losing their minds. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it in several different ways. Like you can look at it as like. I, I don't know. Maybe the glass represents represents like religion or something. Like they're they, they've they've like lost faith or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like in mm. the mystic, like highest is like polluting them or something. You know? I don't know. It's mm. like there's just so many different ways. That's a, that's another, let's talk about that real quick. The um when they turn against Tyus and they I don't even know if he's like actual bullshit or not because like there's one scene where he comes in to the Baron's uh, place and he, he, he just shows up because he, he wants the bear dead or whatever and uh, they're like oh look he's here like because like we were thinking about him you know we need him mm. oh and he just appears like when we need him you know and it's like no I'm here because I need you to help me kill the bear or whatever coincidence and it's like, yeah. and it's like is he bullshit you know it's like obviously the bear's not real because he just when psych- a psycho or something I don't know. <laughs> yeah. when they capture him and they put him in the cell with the master yeah yeah, and he can't. I can't see. <laughs> yeah, how how does he get out of the cell? I don't know. Like, cause this is like the next scene. He's walking around in the forest. Yeah, that was really confusing to me. I was watching. I was like, what? What did I miss? Something like, how the hell did he get out of the cell? Unless know. he just is like truly mystic or something, and he yeah. like you know just teleported yeah. or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> 
That's not represented in the film. (laughs) And I could be wrong on this, but I get the feeling that, uh, like, J.J. Abrams and maybe Ryan Johnson, they were like, okay, so how are we going to end Force Awakens, begin Last Jedi? I got it. That last scene in Heart of Glass. <laughs> right. Sure, man. That's I was wondering so if they great. shot it on the same, because it looks it's, really similar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the actor playing Hyas, I felt looked out of place. You get really? any of this? Yeah, just a uh, little bit. I feel, I just feel like he looks like, he, I don't know what it is. It's like something about his face. He looks really contemporary. Like he looks like he should be <laughs> from the present day. You know who looked perfectly in place was the, the master the master he looks and like also, a freak uh, <laughs> the dude with the massive nose that guy rules too yeah the, the guy the who bar. danced with the dead yeah. body yeah 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 that guy looks like he's from the 1600s yeah i yeah. agree also and he was in the name of the rose was he uh, yeah he, he was uh wallachia okay see i don't even remember that yeah that's, that's malachia awesome. sorry Mal- oh, yeah. yeah god forbid murderer okay okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I, I just felt like high. I don't know. Every time I saw Hyas's face, I was like, it just looks weird. Like he just looks like he should be in like a comedy from now, really? instead of playing like I this. I don't know. It That's might strange. just be me. I'm sorry, but he just doesn't. Yeah. He just looks a little off. Like I, I don't believe him a hundred percent as the. He had a gym from the office kind of look. Yeah, yeah like a, a little, little bit, a little, little bit. And he's looking, yeah. and he's kind of like a linebacker. Like he's fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So which is really strange too. It's like that's a odd choice to make the. A uh, person who can see the future into like this strong physical presence, you know. But uh, I mean, not that it, like that doesn't detract a whole lot. But it was a little problem mm-hmm. that I had with it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I felt uh, the <clears throat> that the the last ten minutes were oddly emotional. Also, uh, when they are when they're leaving and everything, and they're swimming off in the boat, or they're paddling off the boat. It's like and a boat far too small or something. Yeah. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 set out senseless and pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> in a boat far too small like uh just really i don't know and the, the music combined with the imagery and the the, the birds flying and everything i just felt like it was really melancholy and um oh, there's, a, there's that one line it's like uh the birds follow them out as like a good sign or something like that i can't remember what it was. right mm. yeah something like that. they said that it could, maybe it was a good maybe it yeah. was a sign of a sign of hope or something yeah, like that yeah. um it's a very poetic movie oh yeah That's definitely like definitely so definitely mm. uh, i i Part of me wants to like examine it and dive, you know, like, oh man, the the, the glass represents, you know, the industrialized, you know, industrial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, eh, like whatever, you know. That like, probably is what it is too. Yeah, but it's like, like whatever. Fucking industrialization. Yeah. <laughs> Something boring. Some boring political shit. I, there. But <laughs> yeah. I, at the same time, like, I don't think well, I think the timeline would, would be wrong. I don't for think that. Herzog well, would do that. Like, I don't think he's mm. that grounded. Yeah. Like, I don't. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is, but. He definitely feels like I mean we talked about that before. He feels like a he feels like someone who's like uber philosophical but has never read a philosophical text. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like and just is a thinker. And for me you know? this is his most philosophical or most poetic. Sure. I don't know. Anyway. The score uh speaking of the score uh just like uh pretty pretty there are moments where it gets a little too close to classic rock for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I fucking yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
awesome. I was just like, I can't. It's so uh, mid, like mid seventies. Yeah, I just yeah, I was yeah. like, this is just a little too much electric guitar <laughs> shredding going on. But I do, I did. Sixteenth century shredding, especially at the yeah. at the be, uh, near the beginning when the score was going really hard for like a long time. It reminded me a lot of Godspeed, like more triumphant Godspeed yeah, yeah. tracks and stuff. And I was like, that's that'd be a. Uh, It'd be interesting to like you know redub the film with Godspeed music. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be kind of fun. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I I, I I will say this: some of the actors seem more lucid than others. What's the deal with mm. that? Uh, like highest never seems hypnotized. Uh, he, I, I think he is. He's definitely is uh, later on in the bar. Uh huh. Whenever he when he's like talking and the woman is dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Something happens to him partway through the movie because he's you know he's clear-minded uh, yeah you know, apparently yeah uh something happens though i can't remember what it was and yeah and later in the bar he's like his one eye's off this way oh okay yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I might not have noticed that uh but i definitely noticed he wasn't paying any attention to the woman dancing on the table in front of him yeah. <laughs> so just weird shit and yeah. like the i mean he's not the he's not the only one though i mean i feel like um some of the other actors too just they some of them feel like they're in it sometimes and some of them feel like they're way out of it sometimes yeah. you know mm. so i don't know what their rules were for who they hypnotize yeah, there's like the uh the master's uh like assistant like there's there's a part where he's like just staring off into space and then he opens the door for someone and then goes right back to staring off oh into no, space. no 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 he he he's he the picture yeah, falls the behind the him oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and he immediately yeah stops it from burning and then he just turns back around and just yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like that was like a blooper that they just. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was weird. Yeah, I was like, "Is this guy really hypnotized?" All of a sudden, he's super like, "Oh, oh, what? Oh, okay." Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you hear the picture fall, you will you will awake. <laughs> I liked the scene of uh, when they uh, when they bring the the couch in. And they keep uh, calling it a letter, a, and they're like, the "Bring me the report? yeah," and they yeah, bring me yeah. the letter opener, and they tear it off, <laughs> yeah. and they like pull out the stuff, and they're like, "Read this." <laughs> it's, like, it's just so like outlandish. Like, it's, what? Yeah, Read it. Like, and I, I really love the father uh, that sits in the chair. Oh yeah, and he just like laughs at random. Where, yeah. where are my shoes? Yeah. <laughs> 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 The glass blowing scene rules. The scene yes. where they're all glowing, yeah. blowing glass that near the end, really and when the dudes like uh, he makes the horse, makes the horse. That's that was an, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, uh, love it. Love it. I want to rewatch everything. Yeah, me too, uh, man. Over the next I never. I, I I feel guilty because I've watched so little of that set that I bought. I mean, I've watched. I watched. Um, Little Dieter Needs to Fly. I watched Lessons of Darkness. I watched this, and I watched uh, Gire. Um, those are the only four I've seen on Blu-ray. Mm. And I will say, an- another reason maybe to avoid the box set, Lessons of Darkness has got some gross, gross like video decay or some shit on it during parts of it on like the Blu-ray. Hell, yeah. I remember it being great on the on the DVD. I'm sure it is. I'm it's mm. definitely not the. I mean, obviously, it's not the 35 millimeter he shot it on. It's like it's definitely like it's like pixelization. It's disgusting. Mm. It's like in certain like smoke clouds and stuff. It's really fucked up. I was really pissed off, but mm. not. Why isn't get. his stuff on like uh, Criterion or like Kino? I don't know, man. I think well, he owns he owns all of his own stuff. I'm pretty sure because all oh, his, okay. all his movies start with that you know Herzog film. Right, right. Uh, so it might be him because uh, he's made he made the deal with Shout Factory to release the. Uh, 
the box set. Right. So okay. hmm. I guess maybe you wanted it to be more affordable or something. Are, are I don't those movies know. even restored? Are they just transferred? They're definitely they're transfers from uh, apparently uh, the Nosferatu one in particular is a, is a poor transfer. I haven't rewatched it, but they said that the there's a Blu-ray from BFI out of England that mm-hmm. is supposed to be like top tier, like five out of five video quality. Yeah. But you have to buy a criteria player and would be so killer. Yeah. All yeah. of them remastered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it feels like feels like a pipe dream kind of thing. But um, yeah. you know. Uh, anyway, I I don't know. Uh, I guess not a whole lot else to say about it personally. Yeah, liked it. Four point two five out of five. Cool. What'd you give it? Two. Ouch. Here it comes. Three. Oh, oh three. Wow. Okay, that's not so bad. Okay. I really thought you were gonna give it like a one and a half because I was watching. I was like, this is the kind of movie Kevin does not appreciate because he's a, this is just gonna be too stupid for him and like just weird. Like uh, I feel, I felt like you were gonna think it. Like I always said, I didn't feel like it was weird for being weird. I thought you were gonna think it was. I didn't think it was weird for being like that kind of stuff. Like I usually reserve for like Lynch, right? Because he's kind of like going out of his way to make. You know, make you as uncomfortable as, yeah, yeah, yeah. as weirded mm-hmm. out as as humanly possible. I mean, I, I love I love the glass blowing scene. I liked a lot of the music. Uh, not not so much the uh, the rock and roll part. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, have either of you guys seen that movie, The Visitor? The Visitor. Uh, yeah, it has like from uh, the seventies. Yeah, Franco no, Nero and uh, um, John Huston. Right. I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, it has it has sort of similar music going on mm-hmm. to it, although it's more like uh, like late seventies like rock disco, but with an orchestra. <laughs> you know? oh, God, just sounds like a nightmare. It's not a great movie. Uh, um, okay, <laughs> well, I guess we'll move on. We'll burn through this feedback, and cool, uh, cool. so we got two feedbacks this week. I figure we'll save Jordan's for next week. Sure. Because he told me to anyway. So he's like, you just save for next week. So So we got a feedback from uh, someone named River Santa. I don't know. She, I'm assuming it's a she because her email address illuminated to uh, the fact that she was a female. Mm. Says, hey guys, I have a question for you three. When do you guys watch movies? What is best for you in the theater or at home? Alone or with friends? What time of day or night? Let me know and thanks. A little nosy, but I guess we can answer this. <laughs> Definitely for me in the theater, so I'm forced to watch it, and there's no distractions because mm-hmm. uh, I am super ADD. Uh, unless I'm really into it, I, I just I, I just get this urge to get up and do something else, like an hour and a half. I can vouch it. for that. Jonathan is on his phone constantly <laughs> while we're watching movies together. Not <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> either that, or if I watch it at home, it's got to be like. 7 p.m. with my wife. Mm. It's really specific. And the next day, I have to be off. I'm with I you there. I have to be off the next day. I gener- generally... I cannot watch a movie and have to go... To, and get, I can't do it. Right, right. I can't do right. it. Gener- generally speaking, <laughs> I won't watch a movie on a day that's a work day. Yeah. But like, I made an exception on Tuesday because it was our anniversary. We wanted to watch Personal Shopper. So I watched that at night on a work night and felt like shit. Because I was like, right when you turn it off, I'm like, oh, I gotta go to bed now. 
Like there's no downtime. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to like think about the movie. <laughs> I do I'll, too. I'll go surf the web after like I watch exactly. the movie. And I'm just, like, about it. Exactly. So, exactly. Exactly. Like, I gotta go to bed. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you about theater. I the theater is probably my my the the my the best possible experience is. A, a gigantic theater yeah. that is the biggest possible theater that exists with no one in it except me. That would be the best spot. Like, I went and saw Killing Them Softly in a theater, and it wasn't a huge, huge theater. But it was a theater, and it was completely empty. That is jamming. I, I need someone else yeah. with me, though. I can't... Because I, I need... I need like you need to be able to look Allison. to the side and like yeah, laugh. Like, 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 <laughs> I, I need to know if you're into it or if uh, Allison's into it. Yeah, I need to know if someone else is into Good it. Good to know. Because if I'll see a scene, I'm like, that was horrible. But you're like, uh, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, I'll, you know, I'm, like, I'm going to be stone faced from now on. I'm a little bit more like. <laughs> Just to throw you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a poker game. <laughs> Especially like a comedy, you have to see. It oh well, I mean, comedy, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll with, watch a comedy, I'll, I won't laugh at anything, and I'll watch it with someone else, and it's like the funniest show. Right? Yeah, Anchorman yeah. is a nightmare unless yeah. you watch it with your friends. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the other, uh, just the past couple of weeks, I saw Life of Brian and Clue in the theater, and both of those, you know, both of those are comedies. So, like, yeah, um, there wasn't a whole lot of people in either of the theaters, but it was still much more much more enjoyable to see see them on the big screen yeah, with yeah. with the good sound and you know comforting chairs and uh yeah like if i'm at home like every now and then i might get on my phone or some or something um but yeah like i can i can watch a movie pretty much anytime um unless like like today i came into work at noon so like i only had time to watch one movie Jesus Christ. Before You're a machine. You yeah, I would never do that. I... In the morning <laughs> before you come to work. That is gross. Yeah, I, wa- I watched Potemkin this morning. Good God. So, um, I'm super OCD with that. I can't. Hey, I mean, the mornings yeah. are for mind-numbing Silent television. Or, uh, or like being just surfing the no, web. No, mornings for me are waking up 15 minutes before I'm supposed to be to work. And then driving like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> clocking in. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, weekday mornings, fucking forget about it. I, I'm up at 5 a.m., you know? Yeah, but, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. a um, nightmare. But, yeah. Uh, I, but yeah I mean, I, I, I won't watch anything. Like, if, I, if it's, I'm getting in at 9, then I won't watch anything. Because, like, at that point, like, I wake up at 7, lay in bed for 40 minutes, then get up, take a shower, yeah. get dressed, and go to work. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I much prefer to watch movies in the theater, but you know my my small TV at home is fine. Yeah, I mean, I I, dig, I really like watching movies at my house. I mean, I, yeah. I, think I like my setup a lot, and uh, uh, you know, it just has to be at the right time. Like, I generally don't watch movies during the day. Like, it has to be nighttime. Mm. I don't know. It just like, unless it's like a lazy weekend where I'm watching like trash. You know, like like oh, I watched those horror movies with my wife a couple mm. of weeks ago. Watched all of those over the course of like an entire day, which is fine. But yeah. generally speaking, I like to watch stuff at night. Mm. I don't know why; it just feels m- more reasonable. And then there's not as much light pouring in from into my living room. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so there's no <laughs> reflection on the television. Um, okay, well, thanks a lot for the question, uh, River Santa. I forgot to read the last part of her email where she said, "Keep it up until next time, River Santa." Uh, thanks a lot. Please write in again. Great question. Uh, keep it keep it coming. We got another one from Rustin, which is a friend of uh, Jonathan and, and mine. Uh, he said, "Hey fellas, 
random question. If you could get the guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000 to riff on any movie. LFA says riff. To riff on any movie, <laughs> good or bad, that you, haven't, oh that you have seen, what would it be? Thanks, guys. Rust. Quick question. Yeah. Is Riff Tracks a There's separate a, It's thing? the same guys. Oh, okay. But they don't have the rights to the Mystery Science Theater, so they Sh- do okay. Riff Tracks. Okay. Huh? Schindler's List. <laughs> Great choice. Oh, I was going to say Solo, too. I was going to try to beat you to it. That would be so challenging. Um, How about Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie? Like, they riff on their own riffs. Like, over the riffs? Yeah. yeah. They're like, <laughs> they the, the oh, nice one, Ned, or whatever their names are. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, they're making fun of their own jokes. Like, that would be pretty meta and killer, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Riff a comedy? Riff a com- Yeah, like a really, like a genuinely yeah. funny movie. Yeah. Mm. I don't even know what that would be, though. Like, what's a genuinely funny movie? Uh, I'm so bad Life of Brian. Oh, well, Life <laughs> of Brian. Okay, I haven't so seen it. With comedies. Um, I don't know. Like a recent thing. Like something that's like, people are like, objectively like, this is pretty funny. Like a like a Seth Rogen movie or something, yeah. you know, something that's like oh, yeah, it's yeah, already yeah. kind of ironic because it's making fun of itself. It's self aware, right? So they can't really make fun of it. It's like, you know, difficult for them. Yeah. I don't know. I think Schindler's List would be a really challenging one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be hard to make that funny. <laughs> Solo is a pretty good one too. Solo, man. Any, I mean, basically, uh, like you know, obviously, take your pick of any kind of like horrible, uh, you know, tragedy, uh, you know. Yeah. Solo, Philosophy of the Knife, uh, Serbian film, Shoah, <laughs> Shoah, ten hour, uh, ten hour riff session on Holocaust survivors. By the end of it, they just committed suicide. They're they're, they're done. I haven't uh, seen much of uh, Mystery Science Theater, so like personally, I would prefer to do the riffing if I'm going to watch <laughs> if I'm going to watch a bad movie. Like uh, either you guys see uh, Ninja Assassin? No, I didn't didn't catch it. It's uh, it's. <clears throat> Ugh. Ugh. It's cringeworthy. I know the star of it won an MTV Movie Award the year it came out. I remember seeing it on television. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't see. And it wasn't it directed by someone or like produced by the Wachowski brothers. Maybe, but like when they, when they were the Wachowski brothers. But like that's the thing. Like as far as the Wachowskis go, like you know, you've got Bound, and then it kind of goes down for me at least I, well for me I think you got bound and then you got the matrix and then it goes down I like I'm, the matrix I, I'm just not a I like I liked it a whole lot when I was younger I will say bound it. I will say bound is probably better but yeah um, but I like the matrix I don't know like yeah, the matrix went down a little bit for me when I yeah the watched. matrix would probably be an interesting one for them to riff on honestly because I mean it's probably yeah. it's got a lot of cheesy kind yeah, of stuff does. in it yeah. yeah they could probably really tear it apart yeah, but I haven't seen like uh, Cloud Atlas or um, Jupiter Ascending. Me neither. So, but you, I've, I've did I watch? I watched I've, Cloud I've Atlas. seen I've seen like uh, the Nostalgia Critic episode about Jupiter Ascending, and it looked pretty ridiculous. I have. Uh, I was just thinking about this. Uh, they should riff a documentary, like a pure like a like an Errol uh, Morris film. Thin Blue Line. Yeah, because like you know they do those those riffs on those uh, ridiculous like. Uh, like hygiene films and shit like yeah, that from the fifties yeah. that he's always trying to show us mm-hmm. on YouTube. Like, I think it'd be, it might be, it could probably be funny if they would uh, like riff a, a documentary, depending on what the subject matter is. Obviously, you wouldn't Planet pick Earth. 
Yeah, Maybe something not. like that. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Riffing animals, or riff like Koinaskatsi <laughs> or something like the yeah. Katsuki, Katsuki trilogy, or uh, just something where it's like there is nothing to like. There's all it's just images that you have to make fun of. Be really challenging, you know. Again, yeah. challenging. Uh, thank you, Rustin, for the question. Really appreciate it. Uh, that's going to be it for the show. So we got an episode coming up in a week with Kevin's pick, which is going to be, and this is going to be a surprise for both of us because we don't know. Yes. Uh, we are going to watch Hype, the documentary about Fucking the Seattle a. All right. scene. I downloaded oh, that like a year and a half ago and haven't watched it yet. So <laughs> that's Sweet. great. Okay. Huh? Yeah. I'd love to watch that. All right. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be watching Hype from 1991, I think is what it's from. Uh, 96. 96? Is it 96? Oh, I'm thinking, it, it, I'm thinking it, it, of 1991, the year punk broke. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. 1996 Hype, uh, documentary about the grunge scene in Seattle. Awesome. And... Uh, We'll be back to discuss that and hopefully answer more feedback. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, write an email to feedback at filmyakpodcast.com. Visit our website at filmyakpodcast.com. We have a blog there that we try to update relative semi-frequently. Uh, got the Phantom Thread trailer up there still from two weeks ago. But uh, <laughs> we'll be writing some more stuff soon. And uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Anyway, join us next time for more Film Yak. See you guys later. I'm gonna. I got some news topics too that we can talk about. Sweet, it's be fun. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Weird stuff. Okay. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. You don't keep up with this shit. No, you only subscribe to like Autech or blogs and stuff. Like what? <laughs> like what? <laughs>